Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 56 for the week of July the 27th, 2018. How are you, Adam? Good. We're back in the studio. Yes, we are, my friend. It's exciting to be back here. And, Another uh, day above ground. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I'm excited because um, I got to use my movie pass and see three movies this week. You mean your AMC A-list. That's true. We have graduated to the A-list, so we're now AMC A-listers, and uh, with that, it allows us to um, see three movies a week, and I burned all three of them, and we're going to talk about them today. Yeah, and on an interesting note, if you're still with MoviePass, let us know what your surge pricing looks like. We've seen some stuff on Twitter, on social media. Somebody was sharing that they already had a surge price if they looked as far out as next Tuesday. Wow. For the equalizer for an 11 p.m. showing, it was already listed as a surge price of $6. Yeah, I think that's not going to be a packed theater. The movie's been out for three weeks. Yeah, I think they're trying to save the company, is what I think. And they did the reverse stock split, so I don't think MoviePass will be around too much longer. Well, we will see. But anyway, if this is your first time tuning into the uh, film coterie, what is a film coterie, Adam? Uh, it's a group of people with the same interest. In our case, it's movies. So Roger right. and I go every Thursday, check out a new movie. Yes, we do. We often go more than just Thursday to check out new movies, and this yep. lets us share our thoughts with you. Absolutely. And uh, we've been doing this, man, this is episode 56, but probably if you looked at all the episodes we've done... Over 70. Yeah, over 70. And it's, man, I'm having a blast doing this with you, partner. We got some stuff to talk about upcoming. Uh, in two weeks, we have the Film Festival of Columbus. Roger and I will both be there. We're we're already going through our list. We've started looking into the movies and kind of narrowing down what we're going to see because this year's there's competition. Oh, you yeah. You have to choose between which which uh, movie you're going to see at any screening time. And, and I'm actually looking forward to it. This is going to be maybe my first actual official festival, you know, so I'm very excited about it and uh, pretty good lineup. And I, I think we'll probably do – we'll talk a little bit more about it maybe before. If not, we'll, we'll do something. We'll definitely do a recap ap- episode. And then next week on Tuesday, Fantastic Fest is announcing Wave 1. So this will be the first 30 titles to play at this year's festival, which means I'll be watching 30 trailers on Tuesday. <laughs> of course you will. It's my ritual. <laughs> I, I look into everything. So I'm excited to hear what's going to be at Fantastic Fest this year. I got my fingers crossed for a few. Well, uh, thanks to a little help from you today, I was able to decipher how you discover where these films are. Because sometimes you have to put the right phrase in Google to get it to pop the film up, you know. So the fun part about festivals is discovering stuff. Sometimes you see movies that do not have a trailer. You might get a vague one or two sentence description. At Fantastic Fest two years ago, I walked into The Untamed, which is about an alien in Mexico. It's a serious movie. Right. About a lot of social issues. But the movie also has the alien in a barn, and everybody is having sex with the alien. Lots of tentacles. I just, I didn't see it coming. And it's quite the movie. So The Untamed. I think it's on Amazon. The Untamed, eh? <laughs> well, I won't be putting that on my list. I'm sorry, my friend. Not, not family friendly. <laughs> Too many tentacles for family viewing. I would say so. But, you know... Uh, you can find those hidden gems that, you know, maybe before anybody else gets a chance to see it, you could say, oh, I saw that a year ago at a, at a festival, you know. Absolutely. What else been happening? Uh, not much. I mean, we're getting back into the swing of things. We're going to, just as we get back together, though, we're going to have a couple weeks off. We're not getting together next week because I'll be at Gen Con. Yep. But we will be doing an episode for the Film Festival of Columbus. So you, Absolutely. you won't hear from us. We won't too much time go by before we record again. And make sure you follow us on Twitter while we're uh, at the festival because we'll be yep. tweeting out our um, our our thoughts. You can you can follow Adam usually does the official Film Coterie uh, Twitter, so that's at Film Coterie, and you can follow me at at Roger underscore Leg L E G G, and you can find me there too. And I'll try to tweet a lot about the uh, festival as well. So we'll be on Facebook as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. So. I'm excited, Adam. We have three awesome movies to watch, man. Three three awesome movies to talk about that we've watched about we've watched this week. And uh, man, Mission Impossible, Fallout. Yes, and then we have Sorry to Bother You. Yes, you are, or you're just agreeing with me. <laughs> Both. I'm sorry to bother you. <laughs> now I'm just messing with you. And of course, my guilty pleasure. Equalizer too, man, with Denzel Washington. So one of those movies is not like the other, and that's going to be sorry to bother you. So we'll we'll break up the action movies, 
and discuss this uh, little indie movie that's actually making some waves this summer. Absolutely. Well, you are listening to the Film Coterie. Let's take a little listen in on Mission Impossible Fallout. There cannot be peace without first a great suffering. The greater the suffering, the greater the peace. The end you've always feared is coming. It's coming. And the blood will be on your hands. I prayed to God that it wasn't true. Solomon Lane escaped in Paris. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. You use a scalpel. I prefer a hammer. This is a bad idea. Is it ever a good one? Honestly. He's not just some observer. He's an assassin. I don't trust anybody outside of this room. You go rogue, he's been authorized to hunt you down and kill you. That's the job. No hard feelings. Which way, Benji? Turn left! Go, 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 go! What are you waiting for? I'm jumping out a window! All right, tonight's movie is Mission Impossible Fallout. This is the sixth movie in the franchise, and it's Christopher McQuarrie returning to direct again. He was the director behind uh, Rogue Nation. And he was a screenwriter on that one, and he's a screenwriter on this one. So he says this is his last with Tom Cruise. We'll see. We'll see. But they, uh, they're putting up some quality work. There's, if you've heard any buzz about Fallout, you've heard about the stunts, that Tom Cruise learned how to fly this helicopter, that Tom Cruise was jumping from building to building and broke his ankle, that he was riding around for parts on a motorcycle. He didn't do all the motorcycle chase. There are some CG head doubles on there. But this is a fun ride. Flat out, you're going to oh, like yeah. this movie. This is Absolutely. the most fun I've had all summer Yep. in the theater. Yep, laughing, enjoying it, heart pounding. Even though you know, you, there's never a question whether Tom Cruise will, or should we say Ethan Hunt will win or save the day. You just know he will. It's how he's going to do it is so much fun. And I've got to say, Adam, I am, I'm just a Mission Impossible nut. I love this whole series. I have them all on iTunes. And I started watching the, the um, special, the, the commentaries, the iTunes extras with these. Yeah. And you're right. It's amazing, the dedication. Okay, whatever you think of a Hollywood actors in their personal life, whether you like Tom Cruise or hate Tom Cruise, I, I can separate myself from their politics, yeah. their religion, their... Their philosophy, I can usually They're separate. jumping on the couch with Oprah. Yes, they're jumping on the couch with Oprah. I can separate all that from the actual performance. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, in, in this generation or the, this generation now, there's nobody that puts more into it than Tom Cruise. You, no. you get everything he has, he leaves in a movie. And they talk about crazy stuff like him learning to... Um, uh, uh, rappel off buildings, uh, him learning to hold his breath like the Navy SEALs do beyond human limits. Like for six minutes, he learned to hold his breath for six minutes. And, and this is a guy, man, that is like pushing 60s. I mean, he's late 50s at least, right? Yeah. And, and, and still is in tremendous shape, does not miss a beat with the action. I mean, it's just... Maybe we should look into Scientology. I'm t- <laughs> Don't say that on the podcast. <laughs> Because I'm about to bring politics back. No, uh, but anyway, I, I tell you, it's crazy, man. The guy just keeps going and going and going. He's like the Energizer Bunny Rabbit, man. He's just he's just always just lays it down. And he, can anybody run better in movies than than Tom Cruise? Let's just be honest. I just like to see the storyboards. It's all just got to be him running in the wind, and shooting past him. He's got his arms <laughs> pumping, running like the Terminator. Yep, absolutely. So in this one, the big stunts, he did 300 hours of flight time to learn how to fly the helicopter for the purposes of this chase sequence. And he was alone in that helicopter. I saw the setup in a special where there was a camera behind him, so you could see him and then out the front. And then there was a camera mounted towards the front of the windshield looking in, so you could see him piloting. Some Obviously, there are some stuff that is CG. They weren't as close to the mountains. That's a trick of perspective. 
and in the movie he's hauling a payload of supplies and a giant ball right. that's kind of hanging yeah. from the helicopter. That was all CG'd in. But he did this chase sequence with the two helicopters over a couple days of filming. Just him and the helicopter on the stick. It's incredible. Including the scariest part was he does a dive, a spin dive. Yeah. And they, they did a controlled spin dive with him piloting the helicopter. It, it's just insane. And, man, I just love this movie. I, I mean, I'm telling you, it's a, it's this is what summer movies are meant to be, you know? For some reason... You know, Tom has the ability to to push it over the top, to go over the top with the performance, yet you still you still just go along for the ride, you know? Uh, I loved the movie, action-packed, funny. Um, I like that him and his his almost outcast gang of folks that help him, you know, um, they're just kind of like, well, this is just what he does. This is what Ethan Hunt does, you know? And... Um, and yeah. that's something to talk about here is that the movie has, I think, the right collection of the friendly and familiar and the new. Right. There yeah. are rubber masks. There's double crosses and moles and betrayals. It's all the stuff you want in a Mission Impossible movie, but the, the smart thing is some of the scenes don't go the way you'd expect. There are some legitimate surprises in the movie, and that's what keeps you engaged. It's not, it doesn't feel run-on-the-mill even though there's so many old and tired elements in the movie. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree. There's nothing new here. There's nothing, nothing you haven't seen before. Yeah, nothing new, but it's it's in the execution. Yep. It's in the chemistry between the actors. It's in the perspective of the camera, uh, the willingness to just continually take you to the edge and be like, oh, my gosh. You know, they don't call it mission hard. It's called Mission Impossible, right? Yeah. And they continue to say, we're not going to make another movie unless the stakes are higher and and the stunts are harder. And it's, you know, and they, they have progressively, you know. Um, What's next? I mean, Tom Cruise is going to have to do a spacewalk or something in the next one. <laughs> Astronaut launch. I don't know, man. I think you're right. But uh, no, I, I, I loved it. I would highly recommend it. Um, it's a fun ride. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about the evolution of this series, you know, to where we are now. You know, Tom Cruise has been has been quoted to say that, you know, he wanted to do the Mission Impossible. Now, he's went on to do a couple other action series, you know, but nothing that has had more of the signature that the Mission Impossible is. He wanted to bring that to the big screen. He wanted that to be his signature, what people remember him for, you know. I think he said 100 years from now, I want people to, when they think of Tom Cruise and my work, to remember what we did in the Mission Impossible series. I think he's really wanting to start a Bond-esque series that can be continued on. I don't know if they if they ever will or if they'll run out of stories or what, but, uh, you know, he's really put his stamp on this. He's He's been a producer on every single one of mm-hmm. them. Um and they've all evolved and changed. Uh, you know, the first, very first Mission Impossible was done in 1996. Well, just yep. think about that. Yep. Think about how long ago that was. You know, we're talking 22 years, right? It and, can drink. What's that? It's old enough to drink. I know, you know, and how much the world has changed and yeah. everything. And, and you know. Well, the Russians are still the bad guys. Well, of course, yes. But, uh, um, you know, Brian De Palma directed that, who was an auteur, you know, kind of an artsy Archie guy that was had a lot of clout and that movie specifically oh, sorry there I bumped the mic that that movie specifically had an almost a noir noir kind of feel to it it's much slower paced and yeah. compared to what you see in some of the later later movies you well, know so they evolved until three and then they really found their footing so exactly the first one is the most like a bond movie in my opinion hmm now see I, yeah hmm Okay. And then two, they brought in John Woo. They got rid of the team. It was all Ethan Hunt. And it's the purest action movie out of them all. There's very little butt action in that movie. It's really the classic 90s gun warfare, you know, uh, like you said, crazy action. It really is not a Mission Impossible movie. And th- it's the th- most different out of the whole yeah. series. It, it rates pretty low on my rating of where I put all six films. Three is where J.J. Abrams, you may have different feelings about three, but he cracked the code of what this movie needed to be. He focused on the team. He kind of balanced the elements a little better between spy action and and just straight up action and everything else, drama and everything else. And he brought in an unusual villain in Philip Seymour Hoffman. And, and you know, uh, I, I before this movie tonight, before uh, Fallout, 
I went back and rewatched every one of them because they're just so fun. And scene three, like I, the scene of them hanging <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman off the plane is like yes. an all time scene for me in the series. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, three doesn't rate as high for me. It's actually pretty low because I got to be honest with you, man, the writing is not real great. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big J.J. Abrams fan, and I think he tried to put some cohesiveness, but it started to, I think the foundation was laid for this is always going to be a team and a group effort. You yeah. know, Mission Impossible is a team effort. And the writers on that one, I mean, it's a it's Star Trek reboot team. It's oh, yeah. Kurtzman and Orky and, yeah. and Abrams writing it, so... Yeah, but it just didn't work for me. And yeah. I'll be honest with you, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman really saved the villainous role because if you go back and listen to some of the lines they made him say, I think that man was such a genius. He had a way of turning the most boring, uninspired line and make you go, oh, he's mean, you know, kind of deal. Um, but I think really everybody would agree with Ghost Protocol is where it really got its legs fully yeah. under it. And it's the Mission Impossible we know today. Yes. And many critics consider it um, the best one in the series, you know. Um, for me, uh, it, it doesn't really hit there, but uh, yeah. Uh, and then we have Rogue Nation, which was Christopher McQuarrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some of the other directors, John Woo did two, J.J. Abrams directed three, Brad Bird, hello, did Ghost, Ghost Protocol. The director of Tomorrowland? Yeah. No, Iron Giant and some other good stuff. Iron Tomorrow- Giant, man, come on here. Brad Bird's... I'm only ribbing with Tomorrowland, yeah. but he did direct that movie, so... Yes, he did. Uh, and then Christopher McQuarrie has done the last two, and, um, man, they just keep getting better and better, yeah. you know? I loved Ghost... I liked Ghost Protocol. I loved Rogue Nation. Loved it. And I got to tell you, you know, I know we just saw Fallout, but... To me, it's the best one of all of them. It it right it just went right to the top for me. It's the first that I can think of real sequel because it takes elements yes. from Rogue Nation. Yes. I mean, you could watch these back to back. Absolutely. It's like part one and part two. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No? I mean, this is the first real sequel in yeah, the series. There's a real there's... continuity, a real con- lot of connective tissue between. More so than the characters coming back. <laughs> this this is a direct continuation of Rogue yes. Nation. Which I think is great. So how would you rate, if you're going to just rate the movies, Adam, how would you rate them? I've only seen Fallout once. I think it's the best of the franchise. Yeah, I would agree. Cavill, Henry Cavill's in it as a new character and he adds oh, a Let's talk ton. about him, yes. They know how to direct him. They He's so much better in this than he's been in any of the DC stuff. <laughs> As Superman, I mean, he's funny, he's threatening, and he's a good foil to Ethan. Like, there's a bathroom scene in this movie that you see a little bit in the trailer, and it's my favorite part of the movie. I love the bathroom sequence in this film. Oh yeah, it's um, and he holds his own. You literally see the both of them, and you say, "Oh, peers, they're on the same level," you know. And that's really hard to do when you got the Ethan Hunt character, you know. Yeah. But uh man, Cavill, whoo. Yeah, he really, really was a good role. Liked him a lot. Really kind of shows you what he can do given the right platform. <laughs> and um, then um Rebecca Ferguson is back as Ilsa yep. Faust. And then the team, as you know, are all there, Simon yep. Pegg and, and Ving Rames. Yeah, the whole the whole group. So And there's a good balance here. Every character has something to do that you believe. No one's on the sidelines. Everyone's got a job. Well, and I think that's great. There really were, no, of the main cast, there were no throwaway performances. No. And that's great. I mean, how refreshing is it to see all the characters have an important role to play at some point in time? They're all given substance, you know? Yeah, yeah a- absolutely. I thought it was great. Um, I guess my, my fallout would be number one. Number two for me would be Rogue Nation. I just think these are great bookends to each other. Um, I don't. I could almost put these as one A, one B, as because it's literally just like part one and two of the same, the same movie essentially. Um, and see, for me, my my second best. I think I'm going to go Ghost Protocol. Sure. Because it was just it reinvigorated the franchise and it created it as we know it now. Yeah. There's so many sequences that I really enjoyed in that movie that it, it stands out a little more to me than Rogue Nation. Now, now, and 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 I and I'm, I'm gonna put it down a little bit further um for me that my third movie in this series is the original mission impossible okay now it's not liked as much by many people but this is where i fell in love with this series and i was like 
oh my gosh, I just I loved the slower pace. I loved the 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 how how can we possibly pull off this caper? You know, how's Ethan Hunt going to get out of this from being framed from his own agency? You know, and yeah, and breaking into the CIA headquarters and the whole. I mean, to me, it was just. I don't know. There was just something that was like, okay, this is really, really cool, and it just holds that special place in my heart. And I think that's where I combine it. I compared it to a Bond film. There's more gadgets in the first one. A lot more. Yeah. He had the gum, the two-colored gum that would explode, yep. and I think there's a laser watch <coughs> and a bunch of other stuff. A laser watch, and there's a, um, you know, the, the machine that hook up that cuts the glass and all the, you know, there's a lot more, um, a lot more attention to that detail. Um, and then possibly for me, just rounding out the rest of them, I put Ghost Protocol next, uh, number three, Mission Impossible three with J.J. Abrams fifth, and then the John Woo one is just so out of character. I was really disappointed when I saw it because I thought, is this? Are we turning? Are we turning this into every other gun exploitation film of the '90s? You know, um, and so I, I have it last. It's still a fun ride, but. Of all six, it's to me the one the most dated. Yeah, and it's kind of the it's the long haired hippie Ethan Hunt, and you know that was in the nineties when all the superheroes, action heroes, had long hair and wielded guns, and and all of those. I mean, there's just it, it's a John Woo film. It's not a he mission. launches on the motorcycle and then the doves go off because it, it's, it's a John exactly. Woo movie. Well, well, literally, literally, there's a scene in number two where they're fighting in these catacombs into the Vatican. And he comes around a corner, and all these doves fly out. <laughs> I don't know if you remember yeah, this. That's and, a John Woo staple. And he walks out, and then a dove flies over his shoulder. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. Yeah. You know? So, I, I, yeah, at the time, I thought it was kind of cool, but I was in the midst of the 90s and where I thought all that stuff was cool. But looking back, it's the most dated one of the group. Yeah. So, I mean, for my bottom three, I would go in descending order. Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible 3, then Mission sure. Impossible 2. Yeah. So I think 2 just stands out, and I didn't really enjoy it that much. Now, unlike Roger, I have not rewatched these recently, so I'm just going off the good memories sure. in my mind. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. But I, I, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, I highly recommend it. It's why you go. And I tell you, I recommend seeing it in IMAX. Yeah. I mean, it was great. I yeah, mean, we just saw it in the IMAX, visuals I mean. were really, really nice. Um, that's one of the. It's the, not fast cut. It has good action geography, so you can exactly. tell what's going on. There's yes. not no shaky cam. Everything's kind of clear, and it, it's fine to watch on the bigger screen. It's not going to make you motion sick. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So yeah, I highly recommend it. This is the movie you go to in the summer and get the biggest cola, the big popcorn. Maybe you get the fifteen dollar pretzel at the AMC. Roger looked into tonight. <laughs> it's one and a half pounds of dough. The the Bavarian legend. <laughs> Absolutely. So anyway, that's going to wrap it up for uh, our coverage of Fallout. And when we come back, we're going to we're going to change gears. We're going to go to a little independent film called Sorry to Bother You. Uh, why don't we listen in on a little sample of Sorry to Bother You? And when we come back, we'll give you our thoughts. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. I'm just out here surviving. And what I'm doing right now won't even matter. Oh, baby, baby, it will always matter. Oh. you said you fixed that. Get a room. I got a room, mother. cash how much longer i gotta wait for my money god made this land for all of us greedy people like you want to hog it to yourself and your family and me and my family yeah cash is i'm your f-ing uncle i just really need a job 40 on two this is telemarketing stick to the script hey hello um mr davison cash is green here sorry to bother let me give you a tip. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice? I'm never talking about Will Smith's wife. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer. This is Langston from Regal View. Okay, we're back to discuss another movie we saw this week, and this one's a change of pace from Mission Impossible. Yes, it is. This is an indie that is actually doing pretty well this summer and expanding as far as I know. It's called Sorry to Bother You. If you've seen the poster, it's purple. The guy's got a headband with a wound. 
And this is a movie about telemarketing, and then it gets weird. I have to warn people, like, this one in the third act goes weirder than you can possibly imagine. Yeah, and just telling you that borderlines spoiler territory, <laughs> but... I think you should know going You just in. need to know that this movie... I didn't know anything. I literally knew nothing about this movie. All I heard was there was some buzz, mm -hmm. how it had a maybe a get out flavor, you know, kind of a vibe to it. And I thought, oh, is this a horror movie? You know, I, you know, and it's it's not a horror movie at all. No, um, genre wise, it's technically comedy and sci fi. That's yeah. what it lists itself as. Yeah, absolutely. And I I gotta say, I have been thinking about this movie a lot. It has not left my mind for several days. I walked out of the theater thinking, what in the world did I just watch here? Yes. <laughs> you know, what was that? Yep. You know? Um, let's, talk a little, let's talk a little bit about um, the director and the writer, Boots Riley, um, and some of the cast that's in this. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, the, who stars in it, is really good. You, you'll recognize him from Get Out. He's the guy wearing the suit and the hat that actually says, Get Out. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, and here comes Tessa Thompson again. She's busy. Westworld and Thor you. Ragnarok. and Yep. And, and we named a couple other properties earlier. She's in everything. And, and she's yeah. picking really good properties. Yeah. So. And now, now, if you're completely spoiler nut, just fast forward 15 minutes to the next one. But let me just mention a couple other things. So, well, this is in the preview. This is in the preview, totally. Yeah. So he's a telemarketer, like Adam mm -hmm. said. And Danny Glover, the older, wiser African American, says, "If you want to ever make any money, you have to use your white voice. You want to become a power caller. You got to use the white voice." <clears throat> and, and then so, he immediately talks like Steve Buscemi. Yeah, so then he starts sounding like Steve Buscemi, and um, uh, let's just say that he starts having great success. And you yep. think you think this movie is going to be a commentary on one thing, going that direction, and you couldn't be further. No, from... <laughs> this this movie changes gears actually a couple of times. Changes gears several times. Yeah. Um, and you recognize the voices. So when Lakeith starts talking, it's actually David Cross doing the right. voice. Yep. Uh, David Cross, if you watch Arrested Development, is Tobias. Yep. And then he meets another guy, Jermaine Fowler, who um, is voiced by Patton Oswalt. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Tessa Thompson plays uh, his, his, his girlfriend, mm -hmm. who's an artist, who's into fighting the, the man. You know, fist in the air. Fist in the air, fight the man, uh, protest. And l let's just say she finds her boyfriend embroiled with the man. <laughs> He's becoming the man. He's bec slowly becoming the man. And I promise, even though you know this, even though you know this, you have no clue what's in store with you for this movie. No. Because it's going to, it, it, to me, the first two acts of this movie, I thought... Oh my gosh, another first director and we're getting a masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, I literally thought it was going to be a masterpiece. Now, this movie's really good. Shocking at times, and I mean that literally shocking at times. Really good. But it kind of goes too far. It 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 doesn't need to go as crazy in my opinion. Doesn't need to go as strange and surreal and out there as it does. See, here's the thing I'm struggling with cuz I agree with you. The third act really made me go, huh. It gives me pause. I know. And maybe that's I didn't his love whole it. intention. I didn't love it as much as I love the first two acts. But the more I think about it, the third act, was it's done on purpose. And it's, it's, a, it's a message about how the world works. Yeah, and there are a lot of plays on words and imagery, a lot yeah. of double entendres. This is a movie that's very layered. You're watching what's going on between the actors, and there's other stuff going on in the that's left into focus, which is not done a lot anymore in movies. Um, but it's a commentary on society. Um, I'm telling you, this movie is full of double entendres. It talks about race. It talks about class. Um, it talks about indentured uh, servitude. Indentured servitude. Slave, even going back to slavery yeah. and what is modern slavery today with uh, economic. Um, the cost of selling out. I mean, 
Yeah, selling your own soul. Yeah, basically, I, I mean, your, this your movie beliefs. really is 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 got a, is got a pretty hard hitting message, and he he uses a real heavy hammer in the last third act. He's not going back away from it. So when I saw this movie, I took some friends with me, a couple that. I don't know all their movie viewing habits, but I don't think they're all that adventurous when it comes to film, you know, mainstream releases. And they, you know, they go maybe sure. a couple yeah. times a year at most. Yeah. So I took them to Sorry to Bother You. Oh, my gosh. They didn't know what to think of it. I mean, it's going to blow some people's minds. Oh, and yeah. they may think it's the worst movie they've ever seen. I mean, that's a realistic take that someone could get walking out of it if you if you don't really delve into some more experimental films and some weirder stuff. Because, I mean, I'm just cautioning you that the, the movie's weird. Yeah. But it's going to make you think. Yep. It's very, very close to a great film. I, I think it's pretty damn good. It's just I'm still I'm still iffy on the third act. I am too. I am. And that's I, the only thing that's giving me pause. I mean, I did put this in my best of the year list that I'm tracking. It's, it's up there. Yeah, me too. And I, I don't know where it's going to finish at the end of the year. I'm going to watch it again, I'm sure, when it comes out for home video. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to watch it again. And... You know, at first I thought, why did you have to go out there so far and be absurd? Like, I considered it really absurd, uh, a very absurd motif, a very absurd... I can't even think of anything comparable. When I was trying to explain no. it to somebody where it goes and what it might be comparable to, but even nothing leaps But to even, mind. and you know, we're not going to spoil the movie, but even the very shocking, absurd thing you see is a double entendre when mm -hmm. you start to think about it, you know? Or a oh, there's a reason. It's not just random. Yeah, the, the, this guy didn't wasn't just you know out there smoking dope and saying, "Oh, let's throw in this and let's." Th no, there is thought behind yeah. this film. There's it goes intention. off the rails, but it's meant to. And that's I think the point. he. I think. I think. I think Boots Riley meant for this film to go that far. Yeah. No, he did absolutely. And he it's wanted not, to shock. He wants to shock misfire. you. He wants to shock you. Yeah. You know. But it has great comedic elements, even though I didn't laugh out loud, like I wouldn't ha ha ha, and you know, but I'm grinning and I'm smiling, thinking, oh, okay, yeah, okay, I, I hear you, I hear what you're saying, you know. Um, there was a couple times where I knew that, that there was a very strong message being presented that just because of I just couldn't connect to it like I really should, you know, um, not because I wasn't trying. But because maybe I just couldn't fully relate to the plight of some of the people in that, you know, that, that were going through what they were going through. Um, but, man, sorry to bother you. It's worth your money to go see. It's worth – I mean, you know, it isn't going to kill you to watch it when it comes out on video because it's not, it's not like you need to see it in a big screen. No. But – it's worth going if you if you if you need something to do. It's worth going and seeing. Yeah, it deserves your full attention. Something that you can do in a movie theater. Easier you can't than you home. can't check out and just eat popcorn and doze in and out of this no. movie. Nope, it's a challenging movie. Yeah, absolutely. But I am glad I saw it, and I hope, I hope Boots Riley does something else. He will. I'm sure he will. I mean, I hope he does another movie because man, I, this guy's got something to say. You know, absolutely. So. That's sorry to bother you. Uh, it's in limited release. You're probably going to have to, maybe if you have a megaplex, it might be playing on one of the little screens. In, it's in the art houses. But it's in all the art houses, and that's the best place to catch it. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts as the listening audience. What do you think about sorry to bother you if you get a chance to see it? So um, I think that's going to wrap it up for that one. We have one more film, one of my guilty pleasures, Denzel Washington. And the Equalizer 2. So let's let's slide into the old Equalizer 2 movie and take a little listen. And we'll be right back. You're listening to The Film Coterie. Samuel, lift off. <laughs> what kind of man are that? <coughs> Make sure she gets in her apartment, okay? The driver you called to take home your girlfriend? Not a girlfriend, man. Oh, credit card was invalid. Give yourself a nice tip, huh? I heard about these. I've never seen one before. Yeah, well, now you have. You're not gonna ask me if you got home okay? Okay. I'm gonna need anything you might have used to record what you did here tonight. 
Come here. Get up. You know her name? No, sir. Her name is Amy. Give me a left. All right, and we are back, and I'm excited to talk about one of my favorite. Man, Denzel Washington is just my man. He is the man. And in The Equalizer 2, he plays Robert McCall. He serves an unflinching justice for the exploited and the oppressed. But how far will he go when that is someone he loves? We didn't realize we were actually doing a, a special tonight on TV series that have been turned into big budget action movies. Absolutely. Between Mission Impossible and Equalizer. Yep. No, I never, I didn't know Equalizer. I never saw it on TV ever. I never did either. Yeah. But, I mean, it's the same. <laughs> yeah. Here it is. It's the same deal. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, I, I, um, I love me some Denzel Washington. He's just my man. I mean, I just, I, are his movies a little cliche? Yes. And does he get preachy in them? Yes. He gets preachy in them, you know. Um, but there's just something about the dude. I just like him. I loved the book of Eli. And I mean, I, I'm all going all the way back to his days as glory when he, yeah. the, the civil rights, the, the, the civil war movie. Um, I just loved him in glory and I followed him ever since then. And, uh, I love the equalizer. It's it it's just rinse and repeat. Nothing new here. No, you know it's the same. Well, now let me take that back. the The story and the elements are all the same. You know, he's going to flip on his stopwatch, see how fast he can kick everybody in the room. He's butt. helping the downtrodden or people that yeah. have been wronged. And he's a vigilante. He yeah. used to work for one of those secret, super secret, you know, alphabet soup lettered agencies that nobody knew about. The company. Yeah, and he was. An equalizer. He he went in and just cleaned up, made everything right, you know. But he's retired. He wants to leave that life behind. He wants he's to, dead. Yeah, he's dead, supposedly, yes. Yep. And um, the difference with Equalizer 2 is he takes a—he he takes a, uh, um, likes a—there's a, a younger, young, younger African-American boy that is coming of age, and he kind of becomes a father to him, kind of a mentor to him, you know. And uh, the kid is, is uh, there's a great scene where the kid has decided he's going to go run with some drug lords, you know, and he's in the ghetto up on in the projects and, you know, 16th floor of the stacks. And, uh, man, Denzel. Is this Judge Dredd? What's that? The stacks. <laughs> oh, it's Ready Player One. I was yeah. going to say you're going into the Mega City One. Sorry. <laughs> you know, up in the, up in the, up in the, uh, uh, the high rise there. And, uh, man, it, I'm telling you, Denzel goes in, and he just he doesn't kill anybody because these are all kids, you know. But he kicks him butt and yanks him out of there. You don't, I mean, uh, and I, I just love it. He, he, you know, the message he gives to the kid is, you know, listen, you know, don't, don't, take, don't take that easy route. That, that's, short, that's short thinking. That's short thinking. There's a long game here, you know. Um, you know, yeah, you might make a little money and drive a fast car and, and, and all this stuff, but you know, you'll be in jail before you're 25 and, and spend most of your life there, you know? So I, I love the message and I got to hand it to him. The guy knows how to pick sets that third act, man. Whew. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen anything like the third act in an action movie in terms of location and what's going on. I don't even know how they filmed it. It's like they went up to, to New England, Cape Cod yeah. area. And they found some little island that has they a bridge. They could just have the whole thing. And the, the, the whole, in the last third, the last section of the movie, the big showdown is on this island when a hurricane is coming through. So, I don't know. I just enjoyed it. It's fun. Guilty pleasure. Yeah. Um, it's completely enjoyable. Just popcorn fluff. Yep. The, 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 uh, the performances were, were good. Mm -hmm. Nothing extraordinary. Nothing... There's no Academy Awards going to be handed out here, but it's no. just a good old-fashioned summer fun movie yeah. that, you know what, it, it, this is the kind of movie that three years from now I'm going to be on uh, surfing the channels and I'm going to come across The Equalizer 2 and I'll be like, I'm going to sit down and watch me a little bit of this, you know. The one weird thing about the movie to me is there was kind of a funny thing in the <laughs> script. It felt like they were traveling way more than they had to, and this is a nitpick. Did you feel like he was just going back and forth all the time between whatever city he was in and D.C. and then back and then D.C. and then back and then D.C.? It was yeah. kind of a weird script economy issue. No, I, I agree totally. And it's a long movie, way yeah. too long. There's a whole plot point that <laughs> could have been left out. They, 
they're bringing in all these people that he's helping, and they probably could have used one or two less of the people. Yeah. Because it's I, not a TV show where he's got to help so many people an hour. No, absolutely. But in the end, it is what it is. It's an action flick. It's got yep. Denzel Washington. And that dude's like 63, man, 62 or something crazy. So, And he, I don't think you'd want to watch him run like you do uh, <laughs> like you do Tom Cruise. But there's he, no there's no foot chases in Equalizer. No, but he can sure bring it in close quarters fighting yeah, still. You know, he, can, he, he can sell a pretty good punch. He can sell a pretty good punch. So. I'd recommend Equalizer too if you want something fun to do. Get out there and see it, man. Absolutely. So yep. yeah, definitely worth checking out. Awesome. Well, that's going to wrap up our three movies. When we come back, a short, short, just a little short segment of our coming attractions. We saw a couple trailers tonight. Some of them we've seen every week, and we just roll our eyes. You know. I pray for them to come out so I can stop seeing these trailers. Yes, but I want to talk to you about a couple of them that I saw that were intriguing to me. To see if it peaks, you are the movie man. You go to hundreds of movies a year. Did any of these three peak your interest or, eh, we'll see. So, anyway, you're listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back after the break. This is our coming attractions segment, and I, we normally don't talk about trailers, or if we do, it's right at the beginning of the show. Yeah. But I had several that really piqued my interest that I had not seen before, or I really saw a full trailer for the first time. And so if trailers, if you're a weirdo about spoilers and trailers, I shouldn't say you're a weirdo. If you just don't like trailers and spoilers, you feel free to check out. You can follow us at, at Film Coterie and all that good stuff uh, on Facebook and there. I want to talk about Alita. Battle Angel Alita. Battle Angel Alita. Uh, Rodriguez is, is directing, you said? Yes, from a, a script. Cameron was originally supposed to direct this years ago before Avatar, and it's just been a project that's been on the side burner for so long that Rodriguez is now taking it now, over. I'm telling you, this trailer, I was all over the place with this trailer. <laughs> they have shrunk her eyes. So when the first trailer came out, Everyone was freaking out about the size of Rise. It didn't look very good. They've now, they're still huge. Right. But they've made them a little bit smaller. It helps a little bit with her character design. Yes. At times, this is straight up sci-fi. I mean, this is... Well, it's anime. Yeah. It's live action and anime. It's got this funny visual look where they didn't try to make the characters look superhuman to me. Like, there's parts when she's flipping around fighting a tank. That just looks like a CG animation to me. It doesn't look like live action because there's no live elements in that shot. Right. So it has this funny look to it where, like, Planet of the Apes went photorealistic. Yes. This is kind of crossing a funny line between cartoony and real. It's kind of morphing, isn't it? Yeah. Trying to morph the two, juxtapose the two together. I'm going to watch it for sure. Yeah. Just because it's it's out there. Rodriguez is directing and it's- go Christmas Day. Yeah. There you go. Skip the presents and all the stuff. See Battle Angel Alita. <laughs> My kids would love that, man. Just, you know, what are we doing this morning? We're going to go see Alita. Yeah. Rodriguez gives me a little bit of pause. I mean, I really liked a lot of his earlier stuff, but lately with Predators and Sin City 2, he's not made one that I've really liked in a while. I mean, I hope Alita turns it around. I'm, it gives me some Ghost in the Shell vibes where I like the anime a lot better than the live action with Scarlett Johansson. So I'm, I have reservations on this one. I can't say that I don't have reservations, but I think I'm going in a little more optimistic than you, if I had to say. Then we come to Overlord. Yes. What's this about? This is long rumored to be a Cloverfield movie because it's Abrams and everything else. I was going to ask you that. Abrams Abrams has come out and said this is- Is this a horror movie? Yes. Horror Uh action. But here, let me- Abrams has come out and said this is not Cloverfield, but he's lied to us plenty of times before. I'm telling you, it's Cloverfield. Because remember, he told us that- his second Star Trek wasn't Khan. I'm telling you, it's Cloverfield. What people who have seen an early script and have seen some more footage say that this movie is Wolfenstein. Not officially. That's the vibe. Soldiers, Nazi scientists, super monsters, 
I'm lots of guns I'm all and flamethrowers. So I, I, I was scared. I was intrigued. I was like, oh, this is you know mysterious. And then it got kind of the horror elements. Really, the last part of that trailer gets real scary. And I was, I even looked at you and said, okay, I'm not watching anymore. I can't look. You know. Yeah. So the vibe, I'd say, is it's like a live action Wolfenstein. Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to that. And, and I can't remember when the release is. November, I think. Yeah, I think it's it's not yeah. next year. It's this year. Yes, so. all these movies that we're going to be going through are this year as far yeah. as I know. Then we come to another Marvel joint. Well, kind of. Well, Marvel splashed across the screen, my friend. In association with Marvel. I know. And that is Venom. Yep, it's Sony's Venom. And this is the deal that Marvel's a little nervous about. Venom. Well, they got, this is the deal made with the devil. Well, they got Spider-Man. Sony can still make all the villain movies. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know what to say about Venom. The trailer hasn't wowed anyone, and they had a really bad press event in South America somewhere. They had a stadium full of people, and they were showing them stuff because they thought they liked Venom, and it was just silent. They weren't getting applause. They had to beg for applause. Oh, It was man. like Jeb Bush from the one famous video where he says, please applaud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But now you did tell me to bring up yes. Bumblebee. Yes. And Ken. I am putting this movie down, mark it down today. Okay. That this movie's going to surprise people. All right. It's the first Transformer movie not directed by Michael Bay. Okay. The trailer alone has more heart in it. Well, yeah. Than any of the other Transformer movies. Bumblebee has the most heart of any of the Transformers. But the trailer's cut pretty well. Yes, it is. And he looks more like a classic Generation 1 Transformer. Yes, he does. It's directed by one of the Leica Studios guys, the guys that have brought us... Kubo, Coraline. If these guys know a good story, they it's do. Them. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I, this movie will surprise people. So you're based going on, in optimistically. I've loved everything Lake of Studios has done. I have too. I'm not going to argue with you. I still, it's Transformers. It is. But we've never had a non Bay Transformer. Well, we're due for one. And then the thing that got my heart pounding the most, the thing I am most excited about Damien Chazelle's first man the Neil Armstrong story oh man all right we, so this is an we IMAX got, we only. got a sneak preview IMAX only preview they did the same thing with Dunkirk and it was effective where they showed you the oh. opening minutes of Dunkirk with the ticking <laughs> clock and everything going on so this shows you a launch sequence oh my gosh that is done very well and then at the end, it's a splash of everything else from the movie. I'm telling you right now, I'm calling it right now. First Man will be a best picture. I'm telling you, it's going to be, when they do the nominations next year, this has got best picture written all over it. When, well, Chazelle's when, never missed, as far as I know, between Whiplash and La La Land. I, I, I'm telling you, the guy is just golden. And you can tell, by the way, just in that little section, it, 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 it was just incredible. My heart was racing and they're just it's just a launch sequence. Yeah. And the way that it flashes back between them, those guys shaking real hard and then looking out the window and seeing the clouds go by and and the uh propulsion and you know the split I mean this is just like every science nerd's dream movie come through. And what's cool, this will be the thing though now. Neil Armstrong like most NASA guys, they're humble, they're very quiet natured, very inner strength. And it's Ryan Gosling playing him in yeah. this movie. And and there's just something about them that is they're magnetic in personality. I mean, you know, there's just they're astronauts. They're what you know, kids grow up. When I grew up, kids dreamt of being an an astronaut, you know? And they're just kind of like awesome, you know? <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It'll be interesting to see Ryan Gosling. He's really good at that. At playing the at, at not overacting a scene, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying. He's yep. really good at being quiet, and so um, I'm really excited to see what he does with Neil Armstrong. Um, ah, cannot wait for First Man. So this trailer, this special sneak peek, actually sold me on IMAX for this movie because when they get to the, the oh, splash sequence, we're going to watch it in IMAX. Definitely, where you see all the space stuff. There's a flyby of the moon. The shots of him getting off the lander and looking over the the lunar landscape. This looked incredible in IMAX. Now, what I want to do, though, I want us to find a real IMAX to go to. With laser projection? 
and the big giant screen. So we need to start the research. Let's just make it. Let's just travel and go. This is a movie. I know where there's one in Austin. I I have seen Laser IMAX. Okay, I here we know, go. I don't know where the closest is in Ohio. <laughs> so, Mama, Papa, Barney. <laughs> we're coming down to see First Man. The film coterie might be flying to Austin At for the, the Bullock weekend. Museum. <laughs> Are you ready for the film coterie to come to your house? <laughs> for the First Man of all things. The first Man. <laughs> but seriously, let's look around yeah. and find an authentic, with good, Dolby, whatever, the good sound. This movie deserves a good theater to see it in. I want to see it in IMAX too. I want it to shake me like crazy in the seat. Oh, 4D. <laughs> the, the, Let's fly to New York. The 4D and, box and, and do the 4D. <laughs> Your teeth might fall out by the end of that sequence. That's hilarious, man. We have one last trailer to talk about. Oh, yes, we do. That is Kin. K I N. When this trailer comes up, I, I seriously think about just slamming my head off the <laughs> seat in front of me so I might pass out for two and a half minutes. Oh, yes. It's just a kid finds a laser weapon and Dennis Quaid's in it for some reason. Oh, I hate this trailer. I hate Axel. I hate The Darkest Minds. The movies might be fine, but these trailers are driving me up the wall. One of the things, let, let, let me just peel back the curtain for this. When you go to the movie theater at least once a week, you see a crap ton of trailers. We yeah. see tons of trailers. And unfortunately, we see some trailers, like I'll remember the Life trailer... We saw that we saw that space life one for months. Yeah. And every time it came up we rolled our eyes and we were like, Oh well, no, the worst one was the space between us, the romantic yeah, comedy. Yeah, so we saw Kid it all Mars the time. And... You know, we saw it all the time as well too. And but... this is why it's good to change up theaters because you go to AMC you see the same trailers over and over yep. again. But if you go somewhere like the gateway, you at least see some new indie stuff. That and... is the neg- that's the dark side of being an A lister. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe you can just if you're just paying attention to your giant Bavarian pretzel. Absolutely. You don't have to watch the trailers. The Bavarian legend. The, <laughs> the $15 pretzel. The $15 pretzel, yes. <laughs> but anyway, that's going to wrap it up, Adam. I, uh, uh, great movies today. All three of them I, I would recommend you go see for different reasons. Yeah, you know, all strong recommends. Um, yeah, I, Mission Impossible in IMAX was pretty great. Yes. I, I kind of I kind of liked seeing it in IMAX. And if you're A-list, you can see it for free in IMAX. Yes, so. so. Take we might, advantage. We may have to keep that in mind for future films. And it's not in 3D anywhere. So if you see it on a bigger screen, you don't have to worry about 3D. It's It'll just yep. be the big format. Absolutely. All right. How can folks find us on the interwebs? Uh, best place is always Facebook. We're on facebook.com backslash film coterie. We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and any other social media site. Just at, at film coterie is our handle. Awesome. That's going to wrap it up for this week. We'll see you next time on another episode of The Film Coterie.